Happy New Year! <laughs> What's going on, Lie Hive? Happy New Year. Hope you had a good Christmas. Hope you had a good Kwanzaa. All the stuff that ensued. Hope you had a good Hanukkah. New Year's Eve. I did my show. We did it. We did it. People stayed home and I get it. And, and can I just say something about that? I like that we just stopped the collective judgment at this point. Because remember when COVID first came out and we was all kind of doing the... you like I feel like you had three types of people. You know, you had like the people... They just didn't give a fuck. And it was like, no masks. They're like, I am out. You know, I am out. And it's like, all the black folk went to, you know, Atlanta, Houston. All the white folk went to Austin, Florida. Everybody went to Miami. There was like, you know, anti-mask. Fuck the, you know, fuck a vaccine if, if there is or there isn't one. Fuck the ideas of it. And even if you believe in it, it's like, oh, I'm going to live my life and take advantage of this airfare. You know, fuck it. I'm going to go to Vegas. And then there's like, there's people to judge those people. And well, shit, I was one of those people. I, I judge those people. <clears throat> and then you had the, you had the other side of people, which is where, where I was at, where I was like, all right, well, I ain't getting on no plane until like there's a vaccine or this shit is just curbed or there's some sort of herd immunity. But I will go to wine country. I will go to San Diego. I will go to LA. Like I will stay within my state. Like if I'm if I'm gonna fucking kill somebody grandma, it's gonna be it's gonna be within the state. And then you had the other people that were just like hermits, like, I don't get how you could leave your house at a time like this. How can you be around other people? I have gone on eight digital dates. This can work. <laughs> Like, oh, nigga, you, all right, that's you gotta get off. The, you gotta see somebody in distance or something. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I, I like that. I like we're out of the judgment zone, and it's just like, hey, I get it. You a live performer. You gotta do what you gotta do. I'm gonna stay home, do what I gotta do, and you know, just I, I get how it is for you. I you can understand how it is for me, and it's like, and you know, that's oh, wouldn't that be a nice America to live in? I put on the New Year's Eve show, you know, because, I mean, obviously, if you listen to me, I believe the science. I, be I believe, you know, uh, this is some stuff that needs to be curbed. But um, I did it for a few reasons. One, I didn't know when I'd be on stage again. I'm working on a new album slash special, you know, and I special if I just decide to get three cameras to shoot it, if I'm just really feeling it, you know. By the way, I feel like you need three because I see, like, a lot of comics now are putting out their own specials on YouTube, and they're like, fuck... Fuck like charging five dollars and having some asshole like that thinks they're a fucking uh, comedy critic, you know, giving my shit three stars that I spent three years working on on Amazon. I'm gonna just put this shit on YouTube and then get it to more people, you know. Anyways, I feel like you need three cameras to call it a special. And I'm not even the biggest fan of like crowd reactions for uh for even like you know big budget Netflix HBO specials. But, you know, you got to have three cameras. But anyways, working on an album. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I didn't know. I don't know when shit's going to be locked down again. And if we are locked down again, I want to have a new body of work out there. That's still where I'm still saying something. I still clearly have something to say. And I'm not just putting out a project because I feel cold. And I'm just like, all right, well, niggas need to hear from me. So let me put this out, you know. 
also, you know, it's a way to have like, you know, a little bit of money coming in, you know, every few months and, you know, especially in the event, more venues and scenes slow down. It's something where it's like, all right, at least I got this body of work out there that, you know, get some spins and, you know, I'm staying in people's heads. Also, it's good for morale, especially after a rough year. It is great for morale. Oh, by the way, I'm probably not explaining the significance of a New Year's Eve comedy show enough. If you've seen The Sopranos, if you remember the card game where Tony, Jackie April, and uh, Sill, they held up Feech Lamana's card game back in the 70s. And then fast forward, they're like, oh, yeah, we got the executive card game now. And then uh, Richie April gets out of prison on season two, and he's like, Tony, I want the card game back. And then later... And then Feech Lamont is like, hey, if I could get the card game back, Tony, on season five. So it's like, you know, the card. That's what New Year's Eve show is, where, like, it's just, it's a it's some work, but it's a fucking cash cow. <clears throat> so anyways, like, I did it because it's good for morale, especially after a rough year, you know? And it's like, hey, I, like, I contributed to society. I gave people that were seeking a dose of normal, I gave them some normal. Comics got paid. A local establishment Got paid. The wine shop got paid because God knows I had like a few bottles of Bordeaux, you know, in the green room. And I'm like, I'm a contributing member of society as an artist. Pat on the back. Good job, Lyle. You got to do things to remind yourself who the fuck you are, especially when times are rough, especially when times are uncertain. Because I could have stayed home, made meatballs and broccolini, opened wine all night, and open, and lit a cigar at midnight. I could have I done that, but I would have felt worse thinking about the good times. Oh, man, this person ain't here. This person ain't here. Man, I remember one year when we had this going. We had two venues going. Da, da, da. He came through with the money, and then I sent him an Uber home. Da, 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 da. We was on some boss shit. I could have reminisced about all that. And believe me, I was. It was all going in my head like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Especially I showed up to the venue early. I was like fucking I was uh I was in the green room just kind of looking at myself in the mirror and it felt like raging bull. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, is this how this movie ends? <laughs> and it was my worst New Year's Eve show to date. I was sad. I was tired. You know, I, I had regrets. I I was questioning myself about other decisions that just kind of led up to me being here the way that I was. But I still showed up, like Coach said in Hardball. It's about showing up. These things are important the more tenured you become, especially in a field like the performing arts. Because sometimes you just got to put on a good face and do your fucking job. And I did my fucking job. Which is all the more important during a time of year everybody gets insecure about not being on a job. We all bloated, emotional, and boozy from Thanksgiving and Christmas and holiday parties. And then we start demanding that we not be lazy pieces of shit in the new year. Everybody posts the same shit this time of year. This is the year you can either say, why me, or level up. You can be fat and watch life pass you by, or you can get fit and learn five new languages. And have a second source of income. This is a year of healing, good sex, lots of trips, deposits, looking forward, cutting people off. 
Look, it's okay if 2022 kind of also sucks. As long as we do something about it while we're in it. Just fucking show up. Because everything is just kind of going to suck on a surface level. And like your personal life, professional life could be awesome. But the world is going to be a bit of a downer for a while. The COVID variants keep mutating. Global warming. People's personalities are still going to be a little weathered from a year of lockdown and quarantine. And now we have the self-imposed quarantine people, like I said earlier. You know, it's like, don't judge me for performing. I won't judge you for being safe. <laughs> you know, we got that. Um, <clears throat> the U.S. government is not going to give any more relief. Unemployment isn't coming back. You know, like, I mean, maybe if like some UFOs show up and just start bombing sh- some shit, like, uh, like, okay, I can see a scenario which is like, all right, y'all got to stay inside. We got to take care of these UFOs. So... Here's 1700 this time. Like, that's the only way I see that shit coming back. And it wouldn't even be unemployment. Just be like, all right, here's a thousand dollars. We'll throw away some gold bricks. But, anyways, like, just on a surface level, I notice a handful of my homies' social graces have declined. Another thing is, like, another reason 2022 is going to suck is things are going to get canceled. Concerts, ball games, trips, vacations, things you look forward to all year are going to get canceled, are going to get pushed back. There's one New York comic I worked with, follow on Twitter. I saw she posted about how, like, she was like, man, I'm depressed. Sketch Fest got canceled. I was looking forward to going to a new city I never, I never been to. And I was just so tempted to comment... Oh, darling, it is not the rice treat capital anymore. But I'm just like, you know what? Let me be sad. Uh, <laughs> it's like, ah, it fucking sucks. But she was supposed to. She's like, anyways, I'm in New York. Do you have room for your show? So I'll be around for it. And it's just like stuff like that. It just, it's going to fucking suck. And, you're, and I, I, I use that as an example because it's like something like a comedy festival is like cool. But then once you realize, like, wow, I was really looking forward to this, you know, and then it's it just gone, you know, it's going to suck because, like, look, we went from mask versus anti-mask, vax versus anti-vax, and now I think we're going to see some double vax versus triple vax stuff. We're going to have people like, you know, I got vaccinated to travel and for a peace of mind like insurance, but I'm not trying to treat my body like ios iphone updates like oh well they say i should get it so now i gotta get it now they say i should get it i see that happening i see that happening because i actually heard about this a com- new york comic actually uh who was visiting in uh the bay area like the week before uh christmas he told me that he and his wife uh got into it because he doesn't want to get the booster and he's like, yeah, I mean, like, I've never heard of that for, like, the flu, where you got to keep getting boosted. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, this is supposed to cover you, like, X amount of months. I'm not fucking, like, yeah, I'll get vaccinated, but I'm not getting fucking boosted right now. 2020 is going to challenge us the same way 21 and 20 have. And that can get into, that can disrupt our kind of, like, ideal bullshit meme motivation 
Because, you know, you know, ideal mean motivation. Like, like you know, yeah, yeah, if you're not fucking... If you don't have a second source of income, if you don't, if you only have one primary source of income, and you, I mean, even just Jeff Bezos has other sources of income. Jeff Bezos works out. What are you doing, you fucking bitch? <laughs> Everything is gonna suck, and every place is gonna suck in some fashion, and that's okay. The world is changing, and we're not getting any younger. And that's okay. Like with my ex-girlfriend, the copy machine. The fact that we moved to another coast, didn't have a bunch of friends, and, and stuff kind of stuck when we got there. She was having fucking breakdowns over the fact the city of Brooklyn didn't appoint her the Queen Jew. And I was like, New York is supposed to suck for three, four months when you arrive. Subways, they're confusing. Do I get on this one? Do I get on that one? Do I get on this one? And you got to wear the mask the whole time. And, and we arrived in the sub in the summer. Rats the size of soda bottles just walking around with immunity. Not even scared of humans. New York can feel claustrophobic. Everybody's moving fast. It's floods, heat waves, and thunderstorms all at the same time. And sandstorms. Well, like, it was like a storm and like, shit from the ground was getting up in my eyes. And I was like rushing. Thank God I was only like two blocks away from the Airbnb. And also, New Yorkers suck as people. New Yorkers suck as people. Because people be like, New York is so real. LA is so fake. <coughs> it's like they both kind of tell you to fuck off in their own way. Like, it's, it's one's not necessarily extremely better than the other one's just a little bit more direct but everybody's just kind of out for themselves and selfish like if we're just gonna get down to it fucking sucks and what the bratty kid didn't comprehend was you don't go to another place and your life gets better because you try some new things you swap people in and out of your life all right new friends all right new boyfriend new this new this you dress differently and you use your new friends as avatars for what you want your new personality and identity to be, you know? And, and what she did isn't new. She's just more obvious and copies more than the average person. And I've met a lot of dick writers. And, Ooh, that's a clit writer and a dick writer. But it's the same thing with these New Year's memes and resolutions and whatnot. We act like numbers going up is going to change our mentality or our reality. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes it's just going to suck for a minute. Sometimes it's just going to be rough for a minute. And I'm not going to sit up here and tell somebody how to be great. I'm not going to tell somebody to accept things they don't like. I'm not going to tell somebody to compromise with the standard of living that's beneath them. I'm just saying nothing is going to be ideal or go as planned. This is why we need to start listening to more jazz. Because this is a time where we're going to have to improvise. And I can tell you where my head was at the beginning of the year, the last few Januaries. I can tell you exactly where my head was at. January 2019. I was feeling hyped. I had good momentum. I felt I had a bit of a career resurgence through new connections, making more money, and a healthy relationship. January 2020, I was optimistic. I felt like I had just tapped into something new in 2019, and I was really going to have a good year. We saw how that went. <laughs> but I still put out a, a, a respectable body of work and podcasts and albums, and you know, I still did something, even though 
I know like if I was out performing every other night, it would have been more to the caliber I would have preferred, but I, I still showed up. January 2021, I was cynical. Lockdown did a number on me. I lost my footing with performing. And for like two months, when I like got back on stage, like I was just on stage in November 2020, um, you know, post uh, March. But I was back on stage in like, uh, like I want to say March of 2021. I was a better podcaster than I was a comic for like two months. And that fucking scared me. Landscape of comedy had changed. All these like new proposed things was going on in my life. I was cynical, world weary. <laughs> it turns out I was fucking right. January 2022. I'm realistic. I'm tired. With a good amount of the room filled with optimism and negativity. And you can't tell people like me not to be negative. People like us examine every angle. You know what? You gotta... People do need to tell stop telling smart people to be negative when they start talking about things realistically and like, no, just the power of the power of thought. Like you, you, you got to stop doing that. Cause it's, if you can't tell the difference between somebody like speaking facts and then somebody just being like fucking Eeyore, like uh, don't talk to us. I'm realistic about the world. Like if I move to Austin or Denver where it's cheaper I'm going to be fighting some white boys at bars. I'm going to complain about the level of whiteness like I do in the Bay Area. You know, like, I'm going to be like, well, fuck it. I should just stay in the Bay. At least in the Bay, I can go get annoyed by niggas. I can get annoyed by Latinx, Chicano studies majors. I can get annoyed by hoteps. I'm just not getting annoyed by the same fucking punk-ass military-worshipping white boys. You know, like, I just... I can have more diversity in my hatred. <laughs> But again, like things are gonna suck for a minute. Everybody has a fucking movement as their identity now. Everybody lives on their phone, and it's a virus that p- postpones multi-million-dollar basketball games. Shit's gonna suck. It's gonna fucking suck everywhere. And I think about like like basketball games getting canceled from the ads, player game checks, TV revenue, the coaches, the ref, the food stands, the ushers. It's at least a billion dollars in the fucking building every night. And that's getting canceled. Some shit you like is going to get canceled and it's going to suck. But the optimism I have, the optimism comes from God's got to give me one. (laughs) The universe has to see I need one. You ever do that? Like you start making like dark deals in your head. So, so right, right. Okay. So God knows if he doesn't give me a look, I'm going to set dynamite on this free right? White, right? Right, right, right. Like God, you know, if you don't give me a look, I'm going to get this dynamite right here. And, you, and that bridge is going to fuck. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I, I ain't praying right now, but I'm just saying it in my head while having a spiritual connection, nigga. <laughs> But uh, 
Was that too much? Anyways. But optimism also comes from this this idea of I know if I do everything right, some shit gonna get better at some point, or I will see some higher ground in the near future. Cause I don't know one nigga that eats healthy, mind his business, work on projects, save money, keep solid people around him, works on himself, and something didn't get better at some point for him. I'm just saying, if 2022 ain't the year you make it out the valley, it's all right. If you don't see the peaks and you're still stuck in the valley, you know, by the time we get to November, it's all right. I just think we put this pressure on ourselves to be better than we ever been. Like when it, like when the year starts, we say, oh shit, it's already April. It's already May. And then we fuck around during the summer, go on a vacation, start, we have a little summer fling. We just kind of get into partying with like a certain friend group. We get sidetracked and it's October and we beating ourselves up. Then we go and we do the same shit again. We're like, all right, this year, this year, this year, this year, we got to focus. This year, we got to focus. And I think breaking down the year quarterly is more ideal. Because then it's actually more pressure to get the shit done that you want to get done. Within 60 to 90 days, this has to happen. Like, if you say that to yourself, like, it has to happen because the work is staring you in the face. If I say... I need to lose 20 pounds and go to Paris. That could be now. That could be March. It could be July, November. Who knows when the fuck I'm going to lose 20 pounds and go to Paris. But if I say I need to write five pages of a screenplay a day. Let's not even say a day. Let's just say I need to write five pages Monday through Friday. Treat it like a job. And I need to do that for the next four weeks. We're going to see what I'm really about. And I mean, you know, I think that's what's important. As long as you show up. This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you very much for tuning in. Happy 2022. Damn, 2012 seems not that long ago. We get it. We're old. Anyways, today I'm going to be unpacking why I'm the Black Larry David and how I got this way. A lot of people with me, they're like, yeah, Law, you don't really give a fuck. You know, look, I'm unpacking myself on today's episode. I talk shit about a lot of you on here. I talk shit about a lot of people I know. And I'm like, today, we're gonna, I'm going to talk shit about myself. And I'm going to be hard on myself. I'm going to make fun of myself. We're going to hear some good childhood stories. We're going to hear some good uh, young co- young comedian stories. This is going to be a fun episode. I hope you enjoy. Spark something. Pour something. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy this on your commute, on your way to work, or whatever you're doing. And I'll see you soon. One. All right, so let's get the fight out the way. Today, I'm basically unpacking myself. Because a lot of people that know me, a lot of people that have been around me for more than 200 minutes, have at some point said, wow, I don't give a fuck. Damn, you really don't give a fuck. Because... If you're around me, you've seen me in person, I look like somebody that does give a fuck. Stay with a clean haircut, 
try to keep my beard well groomed, even if it's not well lined up because my beard grows fast, my hair grows fast. I still put like all the essential oils. Shout out, shout out Nature Boy. All you black men go fuck with Nature Boy. Like y'all need that on your beard if you're gonna be growing beards. Y'all be putting oils, the bomb on it. You niggas just be putting shampoo and conditioner and think you did something. Like you you know, if it's not Na- Nature Boy black only out of LA, so I fuck with them. <coughs> but the point is, you know, like when I'm going somewhere nice, I, I stay with clean show clean shoes. I try to have like enough uh pants, shirts hoodies, jackets in rotation. So, you know, even if you see me wear the same thing, it's not like, oh, that nigga wear the same shit. It's like, oh, look at Lyle with with six pieces of marathon clothing in rotation. (laughs) I told you I'm going to pack myself, so I'm going to make fun of myself, goddammit. Looks like Black Sam got another drop for him. Another, the Miami Capsule Collection. We know we're going to see Lyle on that at some point on IG. <laughs> the fucking marathon flag in the... T- <laughs> oh, I got to see. I'm not taking myself too serious this episode. But, um... <clears throat> a lot of people call me, people call me like, like you know, Black Larry David. I've been compared to Patrice O'Neal. I've been compared to Bill Burr. Well, it makes sense because all, all the all the men are like, you know, influences on my stand-up and my sense of humor as a performer and stuff like that. <coughs> but for me, the things that made me not give a fuck were, were certain things that happened in my life. I'm not going to bring up every, like, bad thing going back to childhood that ever happened to me and, like, well, this is why I am because we're not going to turn this into a therapy session. It's still entertainment line. We still got to make this entertaining. But for me, it was a few things. Like, one, when you look like me, you have a bit more immunity to say certain things. I'm a six-foot-one big black man that clearly is very dedicated to working on his arms more than any part of his body. There's certain things I can say. And it's like, if you just look a certain kind of way, there's things you can say. If you are a small woman, you can talk a lot of shit. If you are a pretty woman, you can talk a lot of shit. If you are a real buff dude, you can talk a lot of shit. If you're a short, fat guy, you can talk a lot of shit. Because people just kind of like, oh, look at this short, fat fuck. You know, if you're... <coughs> I remember this one nigga when I started doing comedy... In San Francisco, his name was uh, Darius Monday. And he was just, he was such a little fucking cocksucker. <laughs> like, this nigga would just say the most... And I just wanted to sock this nigga in the jaw so much. I'm like, he's 5'4", Lyle. Like, you don't get... One, you you don't... Not only do you not get points for that, you get deducted points, my nigga. So I'm like, God damn, fuck Darius Monday, my kid. <laughs> it's like one of them comics where it's a bunch of comics where, like... Like, they talked so much shit when I started. And then by the time I was in, like, year four, them niggas were like... Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get at it. It's like, oh, you niggas quit. Fuck. You gave me all that bullshit just to quit. Punk ass nigga. Shout out Darius Money, though. Good guy. <laughs> I got love for the niggas that fucked <laughs> No, he apologized later, so it's all good. Um, <clears throat> He was like, yeah, like, I thought you was like 30 years old. I didn't realize you was 20. That's why I was so hard on you. I'm like, nigga, what? Well, okay, well, that makes sense. But anyway, because I would say a lot of wild shit. But <clears throat> part of my, it, it's like there's that. Um, 
what it's it's like it's like three things. What is get through? One, look if you if you a light skinned nigga, if you light skinned black man, people are gonna look at you like you tribal. It's just certain niggas that are tri- and when I say tribal, I don't mean like tribal in the hood, tribal within our community. I mean tribal there. I mean tribal with white people. Just people are gonna feel like they can get some points for pulling up on you a certain kind of way. It's light skinned niggas. It's niggas that are between like. 57 and 510 cuz it's like okay like they like they not so short to the point where it's like all right you look like a bitch fucking with them but they not so tall to the point where you are like all right hmm this is a business decision. Oh, speaking of a business decision before a fight. All right, here's a little quick anecdote. So after my show, New Year's Eve, <coughs> um everybody fucking left. I, I like I went backstage right after my set, <coughs> grabbed my glass of wine and then everybody had like damn near exited the theater. By the time I was done, I think it was because it was a bunch of couples and COVID. And then I was looking around like I was able to call an Uber like that and then get to uh, executive order like that. And then I pull up. And I'm like, what's up? What's up, John? Walk inside. Security's acting like I'm like, yeah, bro, I know him. He's expecting me. And then they're doing the thing. By the way, like, I, yo, y'all Mexican and Polynesian bouncers need to stop being so goddamn serious, nigga. And look, let me. And let me also say, you black security guard, you black bouncers need to stop trying to fuck all the bitches that's coming in, okay? Like, everybody need to stop doing something, goddammit. But I'm saying the Polynesian and the Latino bouncers be too fucking serious. Like, yeah, we, we, it's like, nigga, ain't nigga. What, you think I'm, I'm trying to fucking see uh, El Chapo, nigga? Just, I've told you the name. Like, who? And I'm like, oh, God. It's, it's, I know you know English, motherfucker. Anyway, so I'm there, and I just got off stage. I did like an hour, and the show was actually the show actually went went well. Uh, all things considered, and it's not all things considered, it's just like a theater, and everybody just kind of spread out, so it didn't make for the most uniform laughter. And you know, <coughs> it wasn't the type of theater that was because like the crowd was elevated, but then as a performer, there's no stage, so you so like comic is like below eye level to the audience anyways <clears throat> so i still have like some of my comedy energy from after doing an hour and then all everybody bounced and everybody's like all right i'm out i'm out every comes like i'm out i'm out and i'm like oh man i still got you know you gotta decompress so i go there for a drink and i see i see john the owner i see his business partner and um, I'm cr- I'm cracking some jokes. I'm saying some uh, racially charged and certain things that I I would not say on this podcast, but it's all good because you know they're they're my acquaintances I I've done business with. There's this Mexican dude there in an all black suit. It's like an all black tuxedo sh- suit, and I just look at him and I say like, "Oh, this guy looks like he's doing security on the elevator at Macy's. <laughs> like the bar is located right next to the Macy's." Or J.C. Penny or Nordstrom's or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. They're all the same thing to me. And then he looks at me and he's just like, he's like, what's going on, man? I'm like, ah, oh, man, maybe I should have said that. And, and then he keeps, he's like, he, he keeps dabbing me. He's like, yeah, man, it's your world. And then I look at my man, uh, I look at co-owners and I'm like, this might be a time you want to call, wait for security to come over. You, you got two niggas checking IDs and nobody's coming in. One of these motherfuckers can kind of... How to de-escalate this? And it was like that kind of implied, like, 
yo, th- this shit can happen or this this cannot happen. He's, he's like, what's up? Let me buy you a drink. I'm like, and then like later, I'm like, you know what, Lyle? Like, it's New Year's Eve. This guy's by himself. And like, you by yourself because you was working. He by himself because he like probably came with a bunch of people. And then he has some outbursts and he realized he had to take a walk. And then he walked in this bar, <coughs> which we later found out was more or less the case. So <coughs> he's like, I, I, I made my, my jokes about him looking. And then the, the other thing, too, is like, it's like they, they like people laughed when I said he looked like he was doing security in the elevator at Macy's. And then because like, I mean, you had to see the outfit. And then he starts kind of talking some shit. He's not talking shit. He's like, no, no. Like, it's your. I'm like, I don't own a bar. I don't own a bar. I don't know. I'm not the owner. I'm not the proprietor. And he's like, well, let me buy you a drink. I'm like, you don't have to. He's like, no, let's get some masculine shit. Let's get some masculine shit. And he's like, how about an adios, motherfucker? And I'm like, oh, God, why'd you have to say it? And then, like, Coon Lyle kicked in. Like, Black Larry da- David Lyle kicked in. I was like, what the fuck is this, 2003, nigga? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's Black Larry David Tourette's. I couldn't help myself. And, I, and I'm like, no, nah, man, let's do some, uh, let's do some Casamigos. And he's like, all right, bet, bet. And we do a shot of Casamigos. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, cool, cool. All right, nice talk with you, man. You look good. Keep doing your thing. Keep shining, young brother. He's like, no. Nah. And he keeps dapping me up and bringing me close. And I'm like, this nigga's sizing me up. And I'm like, all right, let me get my, let me get my handshake and my body stance ready in case it goes down. And then he's like, all right, cool. I'm like, let me get you a drink. And then I get him a shot. And he's like, oh yeah, man, I came with some people. I came here from Santa Rosa. And I'm just with a bunch of hoes. And man, it's fuck. And then he just walks out. I'm like, yeah, you probably threw a drink in somebody's face, tried to fight somebody, and they wasn't fuck with him. Then he walks out. <coughs> and then one of them called, I'm like, he was ready to fight me, wasn't he? And they're like, yeah, he was ready to whip your ass over that, over that Macy's joke. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I I was I just got off stage, man. All that shit wasn't worth it. And then <laughs> the one dude, he turns and he says, he made a business decision. He saw your height. He saw your build. He saw how big you are. And he was like, you know what? This ain't a good business decision. He was a little too fucked up. You was a little bit more like sharper than him in regards to the alcohol consumption. And yeah, he, he was like, this ain't a good business decision. I'm like, right? So anyways, business decisions. It's like, it, that's a term in basketball too. When, when like the, on like inside the NBA, <laughs> he's like, you know, I, you, you know, I made a business decision, Kenny. I wasn't getting dunked on, so I got out of the way. The hell out of the way. Well, I'm gonna get dunked on TNT before you damn right I ran. So, anyways, and he did not run. I'm not a tough guy. It was just, you know. I was in the wrong, by the way. All the shit I talk, I'm like, yo, I I I shouldn't have said that on New Year's Eve. That was rude. But I got off stage and all them bitch ass niggas left. Like, what the fuck? I didn't have a way to get my fucking, you know, superstar energy out. <coughs> Dang, I don't even know why I was talking about a business a business decision now. Uh, whatever, you know, one of you guys, hey, message me and tell me what the fuck I was talking about and how this all tied in together. Also, though, also, um, you know, reason is like, yeah, niggas look at you like you tribal. And then I just see like, if you don't tell people to fuck off, they will take advantage of that. And you just have to be in a lot of situations that are just not worth it. Like, I I remember living in Long Beach. And I was with my mom. We was at Bristol Farms. And by the way, if you don't know Bristol Farms. Bristol Farm. I I, I think they got. Is Bristol Farms over? I don't, I don't know. 
I've only, like I've only seen a few Bristol Farms in Southern California in the past few years. There's one in the Westfield Mall in San Francisco, which when I moved, I was like, thank God some chains. I'm just tired. Like these niggas just got Top Dog and fucking Gordo's burritos in the East Bay. This shit is trash. I need to go to SF where I can get some of that LA shit, nigga. And Bristol Farms has the best store sushi. It's shitting on Whole Foods. It's it's amazing. Best spicy two in a row. And I remember, like, one birthday, I, I, I said to my mom, I was like, I just want orange chicken, compound chicken, steamed rice, and, and some spicy tuna rolls, and I'm going to be in heaven. And then, like, you know, like, your parents got to do that thing where they act like it hurts them more than it does, so you don't get too used to So it's like you can't just get it like that. Like, God, that's a lot. God, whoa. You got to have both? All right, well, make sure you eat all of it. And I'm like, yo, I just, I just want to have this food. I want to play my PS2. Put on my Disney channel. I'm going to watch Holes or, or some, even Steven, some bullshit. You know, it's, I'm going to be living. And then it's like, Phew. all right, well, you got to. So anyways, this was not during my birthday. But one time we're at Bristol Farms. And I remember this white lady came up. This old white lady that just looked like, not not like decrepit old, but she looked like. Also, you know, you know how like old just looks different. Kind of like how now, like with, with being like 40, like even with black men, we're known to age well, but it's different types of black 40. There's like rich black 40 where it's like, oh my God, Idris Elba looks like the same as he did on you know, The Wire. And it's like, I mean, yeah, the nigga's like a millionaire and, you know, martial artist and a DJ, like, of course. Like, niggas are rich. Of course, Don Cheadle's going to look that different other than some gray. Then you got like, and then like on regular Black 40, there's like the type of Black 40 where it's like, all right, like, you know, as black men, we still go through a lot, but you still take care of yourself, stay positive, stay gainfully employed, doing your thing. You know, 40, you ain't going to look too different than you did at 32 or 20. Like, you're going to be able to. And then there's a the type of black where it's like, ooh, this, this nigga has some bad relationships, uh, had some roommates in some studio apartments. With the divider, one nigga had the bed, one nigga had the couch, had to go back to his mom's house a few times, maybe got a baby mama, maybe not. I'm not even talking about jail niggas, I'm not talking about street niggas, none of that. I'm I'm saying law-abiding square citizens, but I'm saying they're like different types of black 40s, you're like, oh yeah, you went to... So anyways, I think about that, because I'm like, <coughs> I'll be like on Wikipedia... And, like, I'll just watch something and then just be like, here's your Wikipedia, what's your Wikipedia? And I notice, like, I'll look at, like, white actors, you know, even some black actors. <clears throat> and I noticed when, like, a motherfucker was, like, 50 in the 80s or, or even the 70s, like, they look like being in your 60s or your 70s now. Like, the way we age has changed. Like, people born in, like, the, the 50s, they, they're, they're in their 60s now. Their 60s look a lot better than people in the 1980s and even the 90s, 60s. Like, even the 60s are different. Anyways, this white lady, she looked like she had some scars around her arm. She had, she had like, a lot of moles. And she came up, and, and if you know me, you know I, I really don't like when white women make small talk at grocery stores. I, I really hate that shit. 
Like, I didn't like it then, just because I'm like, Mom, why do we have to talk about the carrots with this bitch? Like, just get the shit and go. Like, I, I fucking hated it as a kid. And then as an adult, I really don't like it because I'm like, you was once like a little fucking perky 23-year-old, 28-year-old, 33-year-old white woman. And if we was in a bar, if we was like on the street at a cafe, and I'm the same age, you wouldn't have came up to talk to me and make small talk, but now you want to talk about the bean sprouts, bitch? No! Nobody wants to fuck you like they used to. Nobody's coming up to talk to you anymore. You're like, well, I guess I need to talk. I want attention. I'm used to people talking to me. Fuck you, nigga. <laughs> Got a lot of anger. Got a lot of anger. Anyways. So... Shopping and like making some little small talk about produce, and I'm just like, I just want my sushi. I just want my sushi. When do I get my sushi? I'm, I'm from Southern California. We're more cultured. I apologize. <coughs> and then it's like, this nigga eating sushi. Nigga, you've been bougie since you was a kid. Nigga, it's different in California. Nigga, gangbangers skate, okay? We just have more access to shit for various reasons. I'll get into it another date. Shout out Kareem Campbell. <laughs> so we. So she's following us. Then anyways, um, I'm taking too long to say what the fuck happened. Anyway, she's like, you know, everybody in my life cut me off. Because I was so fucking racist. And mom was like, oh, okay. And basically what proceeded to happen is my mom just slowly tried to disengage. And my mom is very respectful, very nice. A lot of people that have met my mom say, I'm surprised you two are related. Because she's very nice, humble, respectful soft-spoken and you're a nigga and everybody's just very shocked that you know when they when they meet us and not to say that that was like a turning point for me that moment because i was already kind of rambunctious even i was i was rambunctious before that but <clears throat> that moment i was just like she kept following us and then she she was like yeah and like people you know my life like i would say nigger all the time and People like I was just everything. I was just filled with so much hate, and even white people that were racist were like, "Yeah, that's too much. You got to cut it out." Everybody in my family cut me off. I have nobody. I have nobody. And this this was like two thousand one, two thousand two, maybe two thousand three that this occurred. So the world was a different place. The old white people then were way worse than the old white people now. There was, even the younger white people were fucked up, you know? So, George Bush's America was a different place. Bill Clinton's America was a different place. But despite all that being a fact, it's still some shit I had to experience. And now, again, I've said this many times on this podcast. I will never judge a black person for how they handle a potential conflict with a white person. Well, let me not say I'll never judge. I'm saying if you don't say, get the fuck out of my face, you crack ass bitch, fuck you, I'm, or just you fucking smash their head with a, with a George Foreman grill, personal fantasy of mine. <laughs> I don't, not a white person, an out-of-pocket white person. I'm just like, yeah, pale skin, uh, smash him with a grill, smash him with a grill. Not like that. Just, you know, the out-of-pocket ones. And where it's out-of-pocket because it's some racial shit, not out-of-pocket because, like, they're 
autistic. You know, they, they should be at an institution. But I, I that moment stuck out to me, and I saw many more moments where I was in that position and other people in that position where white people would just use black people as avatars for certain things they wanted to express, certain feelings they had. And I was at Bristol Farms in Long Beach, and then I'd see other versions of that of white people that wanted to pat themselves on the back and feel better about themselves. Like I remember, in this, I'm gonna really explain why. Like I have no problem being so disrespectful when I feel like it, it's on a racial level or towards white people. I remember one time I was on board and I, I was, I was like 19 years old and I was really, really fucking high. I, I went, I was coming back from one of my homies' houses, and I was just, I wasn't used to. I did like I still don't smoke a lot of weed, and I, I was really high. And I was just laughing. And I was doing what I do. I was laughing at some impression. And this one white kid that's like my age, he looks at me and he comes over and he's like, what's so funny? And I'm like, oh, man. So, and then then I said, and I told him just some, like, stupid shit. And then, like, I did an impression. And he's like, that's fucking funny. So, let me tell you something that happened. So, this black dude tried to steal my bike and I punched him and he went away. And then I was just looking at him like, oh shit, is this what happens when your high's getting blown? Because <laughs> that's what the fuck was happening to me. I'm like, oh shit, I think, I think some like kind of like racist shit is kind of happening. Am I like, why is this nigga telling me that he fuck? He asked me what was fuck. I thought we were supposed to be laughing, my nigga. Like, why are you coming and you smiling while you telling me that a, a black dude tried to steal your bike and you punched him? And then it was this middle aged white dude who was sitting behind us. And he had on glasses, clean shaven, a beanie. And he just likes like one of them fucking cocksuckers that runs like an arc. No, I don't mean that in the homophobic way. I just mean like, you know, I'm from the 90s. It's okay. You hear about the racism I had to deal with. Like my vocabulary is going to be a certain kind of way. Fuck you, bitch. So anyway, so he's like, he looks like one of them cocksuckers that would like run like a, a, a fucking West Oakland art gallery where it's like you buy up four blocks where like families could have lived so you can, you can make like these... Uh, abstract metal things and then he starts clapping he's like i had a brother try to steal my fucking bike and then and i'm high as my mind and he's telling a story where a, a black dude trying to steal some shit from him he's like good for you for standing up for yourselves and i'm like what the fuck i fucking hate this place man God, the fucking Bay Area has always sucked. I don't care what anybody, like, it's, you, the rap, oh my God, I fucking hate this. Anyways, that's not the point. I'm talking about how I became this way. So, I was see, and like, I was high, so like, I was in a moment, and like, I, I didn't really smoke weed, and I was 19, my brain was still growing, obviously, because I'm fucking smarter than you niggas. Not you niggas as in the lie high, if you listeners, smarter than you niggas as in uh, the people that, in that situation I'm talking about. Sm- smarter than the ops. So, <clears throat> that situation and that's also kind of like that situation is a big reason why i don't like being high in public because i like being sharp like what the fuck you say nigga that's the reason why like, i like being high at home you know it's i mean it's every like i've only been like robbed once by a nigga and it's like if i was high or wasn't high it really wouldn't have stopped anything so
But shit like that is, I don't want to say a certain, I, I don't even want to say a chip on my shoulder because that's another story. But the reason why I don't give a fuck about how people feel is like Dave Chappelle said, when has America ever given a fuck about how we feel? That's part of why I don't give a fuck. That's part of why I ignore social graces. Like I remember being in a relationship with uh, the copy machine. Like when we first got together, <coughs> it was this thing where <laughs> oh my <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying right now, I'm just like, oh, no wonder I just kind of, it was so easy for me to become public enemy number one, is, <laughs> I even when we first got together, she was like, all right, Sundays, I go and I have family dinner w- with my family, I'm like, all right, cool, do your thing, and then eventually, I met her mom one time, and it was like, all right, Lyle, you need to start coming to family dinner, this is important, and I came, and I'm not gonna talk shit about the food, I'm not gonna talk shit about the conversation, all that. I'm just going to say, like, you know, it obviously wasn't for me, but I'm like, all right, I'll come. And it was very, you know, it, it's like there's certain like white family. Like, I feel like white families when they're like, uh, it's not even like you make a certain amount of money or a certain level of education. But it's like when your entire world reflects your level of income and education, your home just kind of feels like a museum. Like, and that could be whether it's clean, that could be whether, like, you, you got a dog and some paper stacked up, it's messy, it's not. There's just, a, it, it's like the people, it's like, oh, you feel like a museum worker. It's like, there's, like, just kind of a certain stiffness to it. It's like, and I'm, I'm going to steal something that I heard on a Rewatchables podcast. But they were talking about Christopher Nolan movies and how Christopher Nolan kind of all his characters are kind of like avatars for himself. Like even if it's like Leo DiCaprio, Christian Bale, or even uh, fuck the um, tenant. What was with John David Denzel's son in the Christopher Nolan movie? They said like all his leading men all feel British, even if they're American. Like they're all kind of stiff, kind of dry, kind of bland. That's, like, something I feel when I'm in, like, those, uh, quote-unquote, upper-middle-class, let's just call you niggas rich, when I'm in those sort of homes, it just feels like a museum. Anyways, I remember the copy machine, she was like, and then I'm just like, I don't want to do this every Sunday, because it's like, what, oh, we go up there, you eat, like, a bunch of, have some, like, salmon and chicken, and, like, it's, they don't be eating, like, black, because black people on Sundays, like, you know, we'll, we'll like, we'll kill ourselves <laughs> with food, like, just, like, <laughs> we gonna die eating this ha 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 and then we just, it's like the, the greens got poking it the poke got poking it the, even a little poke grease in the cornbread but anyways I remember being there and it's like I can't keep doing this and then the copy machine was like yeah well you know my mom likes to put on airs and sometimes you just gotta put on airs and I'm like why for what like why do we because i'm like i think about putting on air and like the way she said it and i agree sometimes you do need to put on airs especially as a host especially you having to get together you gotta act like everything's all right and put on some airs i totally agree but 
there's putting on airs, and there's making myself more accessible for you. Because in that whole situation of what that was, I was like, and by the way, I was a super out-of-pocket nigga, like, already bought in. But I was still like, all right, well, we just started seriously dating and monogamous, or so she thought. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. She's a whore. It was her. Um, <laughs> I was so glad I had my own show. But I would, in that situation, I'm like, okay, yeah, it is good to put on airs, but it's like, okay, who is this really for, though? Is this, because I'm like, well, I'm the guest, and it's kind of implied that I should be here every Sunday. It's definitely demanded of you. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. This isn't like food I would eat. Like, I don't eat fucking chicken and salmon. We have more uh, sauces and spices. And look, for all the shit that I talk about the copy machine, her mother did try to make me feel welcome but it was like i was like yeah you know like i'm my house we eat rice and we have hot sauce and then she's like well i made some brown rice and i'm like oh god this is like it's like the episode of the cosby show when claire was trying to have like cliff eat all healthy and shit and then she's like now cliff we have brown rice have have some baked chicken cliff i don't want this (laughs) and what a coincidence because they look at me like i'm a black comedian that's a monster Uh, I will coon to the grave. So anyways. So she's like, yeah, yeah, you something you gotta put on it. But I'm like, who is this really for? And then the copy machine, she goes to her mom and she's like, you know, like this. They're like, well, how, come, how come Lyle's not here? Why is Lyle here? How come Lyle's not here? And the copy machine goes, well, Lyle, you know, he just... <laughs> Lyle, you know, he just... It's like, it's not realistic for him. He comes up every time and... It blah blah, and it's not even realistic for me because you know it's a hike to get up here and come back, and I gotta be back by a certain time. And then the mom was like, "Well, we just did family dinners every Sunday when I was a kid." I'm like, "Okay, but it's like if you say other, but it's like we can meet for lunch. Like it doesn't have to be every Sunday on this." And I looked at that entire situation, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I fucking saved their family." <laughs> I'm like the magical Negro in the fucking movie. No, that wasn't really what I thought. What I thought was... <coughs> nobody said what the fuck they thought. Because, had you said... Because, like, a lot of women that I've dated, like, Sundays are their day for getting ready for the week. They're like, Sunday, you know, I make my lunch. I make whatever meals, do whatever little meal prep. I lay out my clothes. I do laundry. And I just plan my week out. Because, you, you know, women, it's, it's not that women have a difficult time getting through a week. It's, they just like to complain. So if they set up enough shit to where they don't have to complain, it'll be fucking better. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, like, and I'm just like, wow, you could have just saved so much time if you were just like, hey, look, man, this ain't really easy. And like, well, we did family dinners when I was kid. And, like, of course, her being, like, a little, like, a little, uh emotional coon that she is. It's just like, well, I just, I can't do it. But, I mean, like, Lyle Bears in that situation, it's been like, hey, what are we doing this for? So, I, I come all the way up here so we so we could have, have fish and chicken and, and, uh, and, so how was your day? So, how are things, 
I read an interesting consumer report. Like, so we can, so we can have flat booty conversation, niggas. Niggas, <laughs> that what this shit is about, nigga. So, anyways, I just look at like shit people go through, and then what things can be if you just kind of say like, "All right, look, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at, nigga. Don't fuck with me." But, you know, I'm, I'm like, funny, and I, I, I just don't care, so it comes out a certain kind of way. So let's unpack why I don't give a fuck on stage. And when I say I don't give a fuck on stage, it's not that I, I fully, I'm just like, I don't care what the audience care. Because I'm not like this avant-garde nigga, but I am an artist first. You know, I'm an artist more than I am an entertainer. Does that make sense? I know that sounds like real pretentious to say on a podcast. I just reached like I just got a I just got a job offer from the New Yorker for saying that. <laughs> I just felt the bullshit spew out of my mouth right as I said that. No, but I mean the difference and it's it's not based on success, it's just based on approach. The way an entertainer approaches it is like, no, it is the laugh. It is the, <clears throat> if the goal is to laugh, it's the laugh. If you a DJ and the goal is to make people dance, it's to make people dance. <clears throat> if you a DJ at a spot that's a lounge and they're like, yeah, we're not trying to get the party started. We just kind of want something that's more ambiance. You're not going to be like, I'm looking at this crowd and it's, it's like a bunch of 45 year old niggas up in here. I know if I play bust the rhymes, put your hands where my eyes can see. I'm going to get a little two-step out these niggas. And then I know how to fall. Then I put on this. Then I put on that. And the black women get up. And then I put on some Aaliyah. Nigga, this shit can go off. I sound like such a wash nigga because I didn't go with, like, how you can get a party started now. Also, that would have been too easy. I ain't washed. <laughs> but but my point is, it's it's like when you're an entertainer, you have the, the you're like, oh, I know how to just get the people I know how to give them what they want. <clears throat> and when you're an artist, you have these things where you're like, all right, I know how to entertain. So let me say some shit that I know ain't gonna be the most popular sentiment and then try to get them in through that. And then let me try to, you know, it's like let me sugarcoat the medicine, but it's still medicine. And then outside of that, you know, you got you got your people that are hacks. Or hack need if you're gonna go by you know Webster's definition, but every, we just call them hacks. You got that. Uh, then you have you know, but I, I rather I I rather not talk shit. I rather just keep it to that. But you know, the, the one reason I like I don't give a fuck on stage is I get bored. And again, like I don't give a fuck so much because also you do have like another type of artist where. Because I'll see some black comics that would just be like, I pissed off this white crowd. I'm like, nigga, why are you proud of this? Because I feel like <clears throat> I feel like when you piss off a white crowd, it's not like, like, well, should you be proud or should you not be proud of it? And this isn't just a black comic with a white crowd. This is for anything where it's like, okay, kind of in society, the stuff that I feel, you're proud. If I say how I really feel, you're probably going to be against it, right? So whatever that is, that could be women with... Or a crowd, she's at like a sports bar, woman comic, or <coughs> filmmaker, it doesn't matter. My my thing is, I think 
if your goal is to piss them off, I feel like you're not doing art and you're not entertaining. You're just being an irritant. You're being a troll. You're trying to be an agent of chaos. You're using a platform where you should be like, oh, great. I get to do my craft. I get to say something that really means something to me. And you're like, you know what? You're pissing me off. Like, I remember I told a story some weeks back. Um, we're some dude, and we had, like, a little altercation before the show, and I gave him a strong elbow to the back. And then he got seated at the show, and I was like, I am going to rip him and talk a bunch of shit before I go on stage. And me, I had, you know, I, I, uh, I had my little entourage with me. And my guy said, he was like, Lyle, this motherfucker is not worth your stage time. And he said, and trust me, I'm not a fan of people that go, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. They're not worth it. No, some people are worth it. Some people are worth you sitting up in the courtroom for. Some people are worth you having getting 86 from someplace because they fucked up and you gave them a black eye. Some people are worth it. Some people are worth, you know, this motherfucker is not worth your stage time and everything that you have to say. Now go up there, be great. And I'm like, okay, you're right, you're right. Because, you know, I'm, just, I'm like, I do need some smart people in my corner. They can help me see through myself. Like I, like I really, of all the problems I had this past year, I really got a solid crew. I got solid people around me, and I'm so fucking grateful for that. <coughs> Anyways, <coughs> the difference being though is like that right there. I could have just dedicated my set to fucking them up but instead i did my act i worked on new shit that's gonna be on this album and the motherfucker was laughing his bitch was laughing all good <coughs> and i felt better then because i'm like you know what he's all drunk he's not getting along with his girl at the end of the show and i got some real shit off i am that nigga but that's the difference like between that to me is like if you're like oh i'm gonna dedicate this precious station to piss him. unless they just do something really fucked up like, there are certain cases where, like, I, I've just been in some show out in the boonies and, like, a white comic does their, like, does their joke where they say the N-word where, like, and when they're, like, in the city limits, they, they go N-word and they're, like, nigga. And they're, like, he said it, he said it. And I'm, like, oh, fuck. There's certain things that can evoke that, especially if you're just, like, you know, fuck these people. And those shows, there's certain shows where it's not even the producer. It's, like, the organizer or an audience member says, so you're going to do some comedy for us tonight? I'm like, oh, fuck you people. So you're going to do some comedy for us tonight? It's like, well, I guess I'll go sing for my supper. I don't fuck with that. So anyways, but that's the difference. Like, you're trying to piss people off. You're trying to just say some shit. Because if you just saying, you're, if you're doing your act and you're like, no, this is, I'm really proud of what I'm saying here. This is material that normally works and and people get pissed off, I think, and then you still stay with it, be proud then. If you're just like, oh, I'm, because it's like, anybody can get up there and, and do that shit. Anybody could just go up there and be like, oh, I'm trying to piss you off. Like, we know, like, as a black man, like, I know a bunch of white boy, Mexican, Asian, they could just go up in a room full of black people and just try to get a reaction out of them. Nigga, fuck that. One reason though, like, like, um, I, I don't give a fuck on stage, and why I'm just like, like, you know, like, let me try it. I don't, and I take more risk than the average comic. I get bored because I remember when I started doing stand up, I thought I was doing some 21st Eddie Murphy shit, but really, I was doing like Baby Ari Spears, and maybe it was going to be really hard on myself. It got a little Nick Cannony. <laughs> 
it got a little Marlon Wayans ish. It got like that kind of sort of like vit, like living room black comedian. But I mean, of course, I like nigga. I was twenty years old. It was supposed to be living room black comedian. And what? And like, by the way, when I started. Because I will go up there with these impressions, and I thought I was like, so here's what Denzel Washington sounds like on a date. Can you imagine Heath Ledger if he, in the in uh, the Dark Knight, if he was trying to get at bitches? Imagine Will Smith trying to get, what if Robert Neal was trying to get some pussy? <laughs> it was just like, imagine this celebrity trying to get some pussy. And I, that was just the impression, because I just watched movies and tried to get pussy. So like that was <laughs> like my, my frame of reference. And I wasn't far removed enough from the shit that I experienced as a kid, as a teenager, pre all that. Like, I wasn't far removed enough from that to have, like, a solid perspective and some clarity on that. So I was just talking about, you know, it was like the now. <clears throat> and what I did where, where I realized I fucked up when I started was I was doing, because I was doing, like, these impressions, and I was like, oh, yeah, people are going to love this. But it was like I was... It was like I had a new car and an old motor because I'm born in 1990, so I'm influenced by my comedic influences and by not even like I'm conscious of it, but like part of my sense of humor is going to be Chris Rock. It's going to be Chappelle Show. It's going to be the Boondocks, you know? <clears throat> so that's like really like the base of my sense of humor. It's not, you know... Eddie's base of sense of humor. It's not Eric Spears' base of sense of humor. It's it's fucking Dave and it's rock and it's you know this stuff and obviously it's Eddie too, but like it, it's stuff that's kind of more in the now. And it basically what I did was I took an old car engine and put it in a new car, and that's why my stand up wasn't working. And what I should have done was had like a old like a like the new engine and put it in the old car like oh man you you bringing this back and i see these influences but your foundation and your base i see is all you it's it's new because you are new you are younger that's where i fucked up when i started and i was six months in to comedy when i figured out how to do a set and look like a really good comic for five minutes even though I, I look young as hell and like I overdressed, I'd wear cardigans and suits because I was like, well, that's what Chris Rock does. So I need to get fly so I get more bookings. And it kind of worked, but it didn't really work. And too many people made fun of me. Like, why are you all dressed up? And like, I'd be like, I wear a suit at open mics. Like, I, I look like a goddamn fool. It's like, this nigga, ain't, this nigga ain't getting no bitches if he pulling up to an open mic in a fucking full on suit. But anyways, I was like, and then I could look like a, like a, a decent comic with potential for 10 minutes. Fast forward. I had this moment where I'm like, I have all these, excuse me, allergies. Um, and when I say fast forward, I mean to like 2014, 15, because I started in 2010. So I had this moment where I'm like, I have all these other feelings about the world, but I can't express it on stage. And I remember Kanye West, Kanye said, that about stadium songs when he toured with U2 and he only had two albums on him. <clears throat> he was like, I realized I didn't have any stadium songs other than Diamonds. <laughs> and like, I think it was, it was, I don't know if it was through the wire. It was like Diamonds and, um, was it two? No, it was Diamonds and Jesus Walks. He's like, other than Diamonds and Jesus Walks, 
I don't have any other songs that play well in stadiums. <clears throat> so that's what graduation is about. Graduation is sonically, I want to make it so it sounds good in the stadium. And not to compare, you know, Kanye trying to make music that sounds good at like Staples Center and Madison Square Garden. I'm not calling it no fucking crypto arena. <laughs> and, and the forum and arenas like that, then me comparing it to like my fucked up beliefs and feelings <laughs> that I'm in the minority on. But I do have beliefs and feelings I am the minority on. Like I have these things that I want to say, and it's it's like <clears throat> while I was at was a comic was I was changing, and I had these things that I felt and thought, but I didn't have the proper tools to express it. It's like you have a tailored suit, and you your weight fluctuates, and you can't fit the suit. You don't look right in the suit, so you're like, you know what? I need to get this tailored. I need to have my suit looking right. And that's what it is as a comic with your material. But like, I have a lot of feelings and beliefs that like I just <clears throat> feel the need to get off. That again, I'm in the minority on. Like I believe white people will never truly possess empathy until they realize dogs aren't that important. I believe white women and gay white people. And others, to that extent, will do quasi-racist shit with black men because we are the physical embodiment of masculinity. But they know they wouldn't pull that shit on a white man because we fall harder. We're going to think twice if Sony pulls some fuck shit. Like, all right, do I really want to go off like that in here? Do I really want to do this? Is this really worth it? Like, we gotta have these, is, is this really worth it? Is this really, whereas white guys can either let it roll off their back or like, go say, do some fucked up shit and it's all good. And a lot of lefty white women, you know, girl bosses and lesbians appropriate masculine culture. And it's a resentment towards black men within that fact. Because again, we are the embodiment of masculine culture. Even if, even if you... And they do subconsciously look at us like we are less than <clears throat> all of them. Yes, all all you Black Lives Matter motherfuckers, all you fucking girl bosses. Where it's like, oh yeah, I fucked this black guy. His dick was ah, his dick, ah, his dick. There is a part of us where you motherfuckers do look at us like some beast at the end of the day, and like we are fucking. You know, I don't want to be like oh, like the Leo DiCaprio. Uh, slave master and Django Unchained, where he's like, these three dimples the nigga has that makes him not as fucking... But, you know, like, it's true to an extent. I believe all women. Unless... It's a white woman accusing a black man of something. And like, look, let, let me again say, <clears throat> there is a certain context, when I say that, there's a certain context for my belief in that. Now, I remember I ran a show, and there was, there's a black dude who come in, I'm not going to say his name, because we're not going to jam niggas up, but I ran the show, there was a black dude who come in, and 
he would, you know, he was he was fair like, oh my goodness. Like when his wife was around, he he'd be all like, you know, I'm an African American. But then when she was he was that nigga would be cooning, right? <coughs> and then anyways, anyway, the, the, the one that worked there, he says some kind of like uh, inappropriate shit to her. Like I was on stage talking about pussy or fu- whatever the hell I'd be talking about with women. And then he came over to her and he walked behind the bar and he said, Oh, well, you know, you know how brothers are, you know, because he's like, he's black, right? And, and then she's like, Yeah, he's Lyle. He's our friend. He's like, Well, you know, you know about brothers. And then she's like, I was just like really uncomfortable with that. And I 100% he believed, believed he said that. Because I'm like, if you tell me like a black man says some fucked up, <laughs> some kind of borderline pervy shit, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that definitely happened. Like, I believe that. But when it comes to like, oh, this nigga did this fucked up shit, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And I say I don't know for four reasons. One reason being the obvious, history. Emmett Till, Central Park 5, so on and so forth. Second being, there ain't really, well, I want to say that one. But I know so many black men that have been accused of fucked up shit with women Non-black women, I'm saying. They've been accused of fucked up shit. White, Asian. <clears throat> that they obviously didn't do or, or, you know, shit exaggerated. And they get jammed up for it. I remember <clears throat> I was doing a show. And this is when we still had the tier restrictions. And I was, like, doing these shows so I could move to New York. And doing these shows... You know, and it's outside, COVID and all that. And I was one show, this lady just wouldn't shut the fuck up. And I'm like, excuse me, man, can you, can you please? And I had people go over and tell her to stop talking. And my staff was like, yo, she won't stop talking. Then I'm like, all right, I, let me send the venue staff over. Then John's staff is like, she won't stop talking. What do you want us to do? I mean, she's got a tab open. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll have to handle it when I get on stage. And I'm like, excuse me, hon, like, okay, not talking to you right now. Would you mind stopping? She's like, well, I can talk if I want to talk. And I'm like, ah, you can. I can call you a fucking idiot and asshole for doing so because we're kind of. And she was Asian. I'm black. This is the time when, you know, dumb niggas and white boys are just fucking hitting, was just knocking out old Asian people right there. It's a very difficult time because they're just like, well, we was just out there with the Black Lives Matter sign. What the fuck? And then, <laughs> and the whole set black people were like, well, I didn't see them with the Black Lives Matter signs. It's like, well, they they were out there. But yeah, yeah. They, Enough of them. I, I noticed. I know they, they posted the black square. <clears throat> Anyways, real. So I was like really walking on, on thin ice and it was one. It was kind of like the closest I ever felt to being like a white comedian where I'm like this. You can say one thing that can go really wrong. And I'm like, as long as I don't mention her race or call her a bitch, I will be fine. I got to call her asshole. I can call her a nigga, a jackass, all that. But just don't call her a bitch or Asian. And we'll be fine. And I was fine. The car, the Asian people were like, yeah, yeah, fuck that bitch. It was great because it was all Asian staff, San Francisco. And then, <clears throat> anyways, <clears throat> the man she was with writes on Yelp. <clears throat> oh, the comic was on stage. He's he was like he was trying to hit on her, and she walked by the bathroom, and he said she's got a nice ass. And then he emailed uh, the fucking Laugh City, and he was like, yeah, he said she had a nice ass. And, of course, I worded a very professional email that told him to fuck off. And I'm like, nigga, I'm a 30-year-old hood, nigga. You think I'm looking at some narrow Taiwanese bougie booty, nigga? No, the fuck I'm not. Okay. 
fuck is wrong with you? I I am not looking at a woman <laughs> born before 1985. Like what the what, what the fuck is your head at? But the fact is, I mean, and like, and again, like we all know I didn't do that. I just sat in my chair before the show, observed everybody, watched people take tickets. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't talking to nobody. I'm talent. Like, I don't got to talk to nobody. <clears throat> but this, you know, so, but that's an example. of He's like, it's believable enough this nigga would say that. And you're using like a real, because like, let's be honest, black men are more upfront when it comes to courting opposite sex. So one, that's that's the reason, like off personal experience, and then just how many homeboys I got. They got kids, or they get with their other with white, Latina, Indian, whatever girlfriends, and then some weird shit happens, and they, them niggas got rest- like Will said on the Black People Pay Their Moms phone bill episode. How many brothers just get jammed up? <clears throat> Another reason why I'm not automatic to believe it, right? And and this is kind of like unpopular opinion, maybe, but. It's easy to reject the white woman accusing a young black man of doing some fucked up shit, physically, cliche, when you've never been a white woman who wanted to lash out at a black man. Very easy to reject it when you've never been in that position. Because that white woman that is in that position gets to have it all. The self-congratulations of looking down at white women who overblow the whistle on black men. And also to overblow the whistle your fucking self. Anyways, that's a belief I have. Oh, I'm not done yet. I believe black people have dealt with so much trauma in this country... We buy into some dumb shit. Conspiracy theories and regressive ideology to make sense of the madness. It's a lot of anti-progressive thoughts about health, medicine, sexuality, race, science, opposite sex relationships that float around our community. Not that we all think it, but just where it's like, all right, if I'm in a room of 10 black people, I'm just going to hear some shit. That I'm like, why the fuck would you say that out loud? Like, do you know what year it is? And now, do you know what year it is? You're offending people. Because, I mean, come on, look who you're talking to. Just like, nigga, you really still think like that? <clears throat> and let me also say, any oppressed people will latch on to some ideology that ain't the most progressive. World ain't kind to me, so let me buy into some shit that ain't sweet, nigga. And it's not even it's not even about being oppressed. It, it's about feeling like you're not heard. White conservatives don't feel heard. Look at the shit they buy into. I remember Barack Obama was speaking to something, and this is why, like, I, I fucking I love Obama as a president. And when I say I love Obama as a president, I want none of you hot tips coming at me like, "Well, what did that nigga actually do for the community?" He's president, not Farrakhan. All right, so don't even like ask Farrakhan what he's ask niggas where that are actually in rooted in the black community what they do and what they haven't done. Like don't ask like don't ask a, a public elected civil servant that. But anyways, saw Barack Obama. And he was saying like uh, you know one thing with a lot of communities with uh you know white men is you got to understand like yeah I want gun control as well, 
But you got to understand, a lot of these guys, when the factories closed and and Ford and these the steel mills, they had to take jobs as secretaries and typists and jobs that weren't working with their hands, and they felt emasculated in some sort of ways. And hunting was a way to retain, to, to hold on to that masculinity. So when you have this thing like, oh, you can't have guns, you can't hunt, you can't get fish and 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 game and deer. <laughs> You can't get game. <laughs> They're going to have a problem with that. And I think also they need to be heard as well. Like he's yeah, Midwest black man from Hawaii, but African, you know, he's, he'll, he'll see the full picture. He may not do everything you want, but he'll see the full picture. But anyways, that's an example. It's like people that feel unheard will latch on to some bullshit. I also think white lefties whether they know that's why or not why but they know that there is some uh kind of ignorant sentiments going on it gives them a superiority complex and i believe that's kind of why a lot of white people are racist as fuck especially white lefties because me i don't have a problem with white conservatives i mean i have a problem with them but i don't have a problem with them anymore than i expect to have a problem with them it's white left it's like you pat yourself on the back i've never seen a white conservative like pat themselves on the ass like oh good job like you you let a nigga at your barbecue you know hunting some squirrel it's like <sighs> i believe women can and have used Real issues they face as women as excuses to be a fucking bitch. If black men had the wherewithal to do that, we'd be asked to go to the next town over. I think women don't dig accountability in regards to how they interact with men. <clears throat> like, I think women are, are kind of like... I don't think women have like a difficult time admitting when they're wrong. But I think women do have a difficult time saying something like, <laughs> you know, I was a dick. I was, a, I was being a bitch to that guy. I'm sorry. You know what? I, I was rude to him. I apologize. And I don't, I think there's more emphasis on, at least, in, and I'm talking coastal fucking democratic voting Sit. I'm talking. I'm talking East Coast. I'm talking West Coast. I'm not talking about you know whatever's going on in Kansas. I don't know shit about that. I, so I'm keep in mind this is a metropolitan podcast. So I'm just talking about my world. But I think there's a disregard for how women treat men, and and like also another thing is like there's a way, like there's a way that men can make women feel. We can all make somebody feel like shit or less than. <clears throat> my thing is when men feel like we're less than and when we just ain't shit it's normally because of women when anybody feels like they're less than and ain't shit it's normally because a segment of society so with men and he's like and this women too but a lot of people's self-esteem and confidence comes within having sex that's just facts because having sex does boost your self-esteem it boosts it boosts your endorphins right and there's a way that, like, okay, I've had people look at me like I'm a nigger. 
I'm like, I don't even gotta give an example. You know it's true. You you know I've been to certain places. Like when I tell certain like when I be trying to like get people whether it's comics or, or the homies, I'm like, yeah, this wine. I'm like, yeah, but they don't look funny at you at the wineries. They don't be like whatever the wine shops. And I'm like, I mean, they can. And then I just kind of like, I mean, I feel like I'm above everybody. So you know, it's, it works itself out in the long run. And they're like, yeah, I feel you. You got that about you, Lyle. You know, I don't I don't think I'm better than everybody like you do. I'm like, well, nigga, you should try it. <laughs> But anyways, um, there's a certain way that women can look at men. This in a very like, uh, somebody fucks you. Like, th- there's an energy women can put out. Like, how do you have sex? And look, if you act like you don't know what I'm like, no, it's all in your head. F- fuck you, you're dead. He who. They who do not, ex- I'm using pronouns. They who do not, they who do not feel me is not real to me. So, uh, is, if Pamu, son of a bitch, <laughs> look, it's a certain energy where people could like, what is this thing doing existing? And <clears throat> I say that now as somebody where I'm very, I used to put out a lot of sexual energy because I used to be very happy until uh, Hillary and Trump and just. Everybody just kind of became overwoke, and then I'm not really as happy since like since uh, America changed like that. So I'm very select, and then Me Too movement happened, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna curtail all my kind of sexual energy back a little bit, and I'm gonna be careful in the spaces that I put it out in. And I've, like, just not even put it out there, like, hey, I'm available. And I've just had women kind of, like, ugh. So, anyways, I'm saying all that. And obviously, there's way there's ways men that can do that to women. I can't speak on that, so I won't speak on it. <clears throat> but I'm saying stuff like that happens. And I'm not saying, like, oh, women need to give men out here pussy so they don't fucking shoot up a mall <coughs> or a Walmart. <coughs> I'm just saying... I think women don't really take into consideration the fact that, like, women talk a lot about, like, oh, a lot of men's uh, ego and all that. Like, men have fragile egos, and men have this, and men have that. And they're true. Like, I don't have a fragile ego when I deal with women. But then again, like, I don't care what a bitch think. But a lot of men do. And I'm just saying it's like, okay, on one hand, we talk about, oh, men are trash, men are this. But you know what men value. You know what men care about. And it's like you got to leave some room. It's not even like you need to flirt with a guy or be extra. Because I do not think women should do that. If I had a daughter, I'd be like, if a nigga trying to fuck you, I wouldn't. Because you never know what a man's capable of. And you don't, I don't want you in a trunk. But do not give him any implied hope. All right, you know what? I probably fucked up already. I was trying to say my thought. I'm like, you know what? I probably... I probably could use a woman here to kind of challenge some of the things I'm saying, and I probably shouldn't have this conversation out loud. No, but let, let me let me just finish my thought, and then when I get a new girlfriend, I'll have her on here and challenge me. <laughs> so that's the only way you have women on your podcast, asshole. Uh, you know, it's like, I, 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 it's like when Mike Tyson was like, you know, I only talked to reporters that I fornicated with, so if we're not gonna, you know, fornicate, you. Know? <laughs> Look at this hole I've dug. Yeah, this was supposed to be a real quick example. No, 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 no. But no seriousness, I feel like there's this thing where women are just real comfortable shitting on men, 
And then they're like, oh, now men are terrible. And it's like, well, what do you think? There's this very accepted culture of just shitting on men. And everything is, like, we live in a very, like, anti, uh, I don't even want to say anti, but it's anti, but masculinity isn't accepted. This Like, all the niggas is getting pussy is either, like, you know, five foot four or six foot four. Ain't no niggas getting pussy in between. When I say pussy, I mean, like, mad hella pussy. I'm not talking about, like, you know, everybody fucks at some point. But I was saying, all the niggas is really getting pussy. It's like 5'4 to 5'6. All the niggas you can't hit. And then all the niggas where it's like you don't want to hit that are like fucking 6'3 and up. It's like, okay, I either want like, like a man-man or I want like a little man. You know? I'll unpack it another day why short niggas and super tall niggas are getting all the pussy. But anyways, these are all very unpopular sentiments somewhere. All these things that I feel and believe, they're unpopular in a room full of women. They're unpopular in a black barbershop. They're unpopular (coughs) amongst, I kind of think, all white people. These are unpopular things that I really believe to my core. Like, I say a lot of shit on here where if you come up to me, you're like, wow, do you really believe? I'm like, nigga, it's entertainment. No, I don't know. It's a podcast. I don't know, like I pour a glass or something. Like right now, I'm, I'm saving this Bordeaux I got, and I'm I'm drinking um fucking Tito's and lime juice from Trader Joe's. Lyle off the liquor, yeah, why not? And I set that up so I have something to blame this on later. <laughs> Shall I ever find the success I'm seeking? But these are all unpopular sentiments somewhere. But I just don't feel right about myself if I don't get it off in some fashion. And part of the other reason I don't give a fuck on stage, what's the point in doing this? What's the point in all the bullshit we got to put up with if we don't say it how we really feel it? I might as well take a fucking coding class and then just live in some place where I can get a decent bang for my buck. What's the point in staying out late, running the same 10s, 15s, 25s, 45s, doing a guest spot, having strange friendships, having relationships fall apart, only to get up there and hope I don't offend somebody by my truth? And I'm not one of these delusional comedians that think my views on society are doing the Lord's work. But what's the point of not keeping it real? What's the fucking point of not keeping it real? Because like I said about that coding class shit, it's like, I know, like, I do, like, because there are, like, you do have, like, the same way my homies on the other side are, like, loud, like, it's it's just so fucking, oh, I just respect you for going after it like you believe it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right, thanks, nigga. Buy some merch or something, nigga. (laughs) That's the same way I feel. Like, like, oh, not like they're brave for going. Uh, I mean, no, there is a part of me where it's like, damn, nigga, like, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I'll say I think about if I took that route and I was like, because like the thing is for like all the niggas where it's like you didn't really go to college. It's like, well, if I take a coding class, all right, well, shit, the niggas is still like maybe staying to make 100K a year, 100K a year. You can kind of live in any big city you want by yourself. And then with 100k a year, it's like 
you get a you can find a girl to want to live with you. It's like, all right, you a potential mate. You could travel. Like, there's a lot of shit you could do with 100k a year. And you could do some cool stuff in New York, LA with 100k a year. And you can do some real cool stuff in Denver or Austin or Louisville, Kentucky. Or <clears throat> I'm trying to think of some other places where like I would never want to live, but I'm like, I can see myself having a good weekend at a comedy club there. <clears throat> Those are the types of places I'm trying to name. <clears throat> but there are places like that where it's like, yeah, okay, like, you know, it ain't gonna be life, you know. But I'm like, I might as well fucking do that. And the other side, why don't give a fuck? Because I know a lot of comics are like, oh, new comics in the room. I'm scared to do the real. I remember I was in Chicago, and like I don't, I'll save another day for like why Midwest people kind of just, you know, their milk doesn't treat my cookie the right way. Is you know they got this crabbiness about them. I don't know. I probably said it. I won't say it again. But I remember I was at this show, and like it was like a newer black comic. And he was like, man, I'm so fucking insecure. His name was like Michael Robinson. He has some like African name on Facebook. I don't know. But the nigga was like, man, it was like clowning us. And I'm like, they were five people and it was an 11 p.m. show. Yeah, but they was like clowning us because we was getting laughs. I'm like, we're supposed to try when it's five people and 11 p.m.? That's when you just put up your new shit and just interact with the crowd. He's like, yeah, I just feel like I need to get back in the lab. And I'm like, them niggas weren't even on stage, like Luke. And I say all that to say, comics are dick writers and haters. It don't fucking matter. All this shit is made up. Comics are such fucking kind of makes sense why like my ex girlfriend like like comedy so much. It's like, oh shit, you a dick writer just like these niggas. No wonder you fucking. And then you disappointed that I don't have a bunch of comedian friends where we, where it's like it turns like you know podcasts when we hang out and like. All my friends are like fucking like weirdos and niggas. Like, anyways, <coughs> they fucking did. It's like they just kind of follow what's hot, who's hot. Like nobody's like I've never seen a comic be like, yo, you know this motherfucker right here with like seven hundred Instagram followers, hundred fifty three Twitter followers. You know what? But yo, this motherfucker is funny. You need I never see that. Comics are like, oh, you, you know, which I mean, like, okay, there's something to be said about working towards what you want and wanting to help somebody that helps themselves. But I'm just saying, I've never, you know, was, oh, he's on stage. I remember it was this comic by the name of Jabari Davis who ran Bringer Shows in San Francisco when I started doing comedy. And Bringer Shows in 2010, 2011 was still like a new thing. So you could like that, you could like make a decent living producing Bringer Shows. I know I did. I got in on the tail end of bringing shows for like the last few months. Anyways, I see the nigga get on stage and and like like Jabari's jokes would basically just be like, yeah, you know it's real hard, you know, you know like I'm a, I'm a Black Panther, you know, like come from Black Panthers, and I got a gay cousin. They call him the Pink Panther. Then they go on stage and be like, yeah, you know, with, you know, <coughs> being like a crip, you know, coming from L.A., you know, Pasadena, uh, Altadena. you be like, <coughs> you know, with certain things you can't do in San Francisco, like read in public. And these white comedians were fucking loving it because they were scared of this nigga. And I'm like, you niggas are put, and it's not to like, just, 
It's not to talk shit about Jabari. But it's to say, niggas don't give a fuck. Niggas will just kind of like... Like, because comics was fucking scared of him, and they dig ride him, but I'm like, all right, I see, like, the black comics y'all hate on publicly, and you guys talk shit about this nigga in private, you guys talk shit about it. Niggas a dick ride. Like, and I'm just, like, that moment, it was like, everybody go rush to see his set, because they want to perform at the Purple Onion, because he had the keys to it at the time. Anyways, this shit is all made up. It, it, it don't matter. So I'm just saying, it's like, when you, like... <clears throat> Another reason why I don't give a fuck if comics are in the room and they might judge me. Well, if somebody, like, runs a hot room or something that could lead to some shit, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try. Because <clears throat> I will say, there are certain nights where, like, I actually did try and it led to some cool shit. I remember I was doing one the Ha Ha Cafe in Hollywood, North Hollywood. They were shaky town live for a minute because they're like, well, we still got the lease on this. So we're just going to run bringer shows out of here and then we're going to do all the real shows uh, at Ha Ha. And I couldn't, I couldn't get up at Ha Ha on the weekends at the time. So I would be... <laughs> I still can't now, but I would be at uh, I would be at Shaky Town Live because Peter Sears, he'd be running shows at Shaky Town Live, and I was the insurance. He'd have all these bringers, and then I would get up and I would just like post breakup. I'd be like, I am going to fucking crush. That's all I'm going to do is I'm going to crush, and I would do that. And it was this one kid who was working with him at the time who also wasn't a bringer, funny comic, this dude Chino LaForge. And he was like, bro, you funny, you should come to Maui. And then later it turned out that it's like, oh, he kind of thought I had like the keys to the bay. And it's like, I don't I don't know if I have the keys to the bay. I got a <laughs> I got the porch to the bay. And I was like, what do you think I'm gonna do for you? But anyways, I was like really crushing, and then he fucking flew me out to to Maui to do stand-up, and it was great. Like it was, got flown and it happened twice. I got flown out twice, I got put up twice, and it was a beautiful time. So I do try, I do give a fuck, but I'm just saying is like this whole you should I can't again, like I care enough as an artist. A little bit as an entertainer, but anyways, that's my point. Hope you're enjoying the show. Sorry to interrupt the program. But if you could do your mans a solid, then please subscribe to the Lyle Barron's YouTube channel. That would mean a lot. We got episodes with DJ Illinois, Matt Duckett, and Cousin Will. Full episodes. You can see all the facial expressions and Matt looking shocked at a lot of uh, the wild things that I say. We got stand-up clips on there. So if you could please tune in, that would really help. And that will help build for the other things that we're trying to do in the future. Back to the show. So I stopped giving a fuck in my last relationship. Let's unpack that. And by the way, if I unpacked it on another episode, I apologize. I know a lot of you are like really high when you listen to this show anyways. <laughs> Did he say that? I guess I gotta go back, man. Fuck. <laughs> Yo, can I just say the one place where I think white people are funnier than black people is by being high? Because black people are high like, yeah... I'm just talking about like stereotypical comedic stoner because black comedic stoner is kind of more like, yeah, you ever think like, why is it that I I don't know how to like do the 
I I don't smoke enough weed to like do like a stoner joke, but I'm I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna make fun of them. Yo, anybody ever seen the light on in the fridge when the door is closed? You know, we be having you think about shit like that. But it was funny. It's like when white dudes are like, yeah, man. You know why I think I like it? Because white dudes are at their most peaceful when they're like the the comedic white stunner. Anyways, I stopped giving a fuck in my last relationship. And a relationship is over when one person stops giving a fuck. It's like an NBA team. An NBA team that's going to make the the playoffs like a seven through like a seven through four seed team where it's like two all-stars and maybe a perennial all-star a six man or defensive all-team guy and they fire the head coach and it's still not working and then it's just who the team can find a trade for first but it's over they're rebuilding or they're going in a different direction i stopped giving a fuck because i felt overwhelmed i felt everything needed my attention on every level and i think there's only so many levels just any person period can take in a relationship where they feel like oh i'm needed here i'm needed here i'm needed here it's why a lot of ceos and even some small business owners have other people do their bidding for them (laughs) do their bidding for them But <laughs> my point is, I had no level of cruise control altitude. Because women are always going to pester you about something. And that's annoying. And guys are always going to give too little of a fuck about something that's important to you. And that's annoying. And also, yo, can I just say, I think a lot of men's beef with each other is the same shit will beef with our girlfriends and our wives about not not like women but our like people that we're close to i think it kind of all kind of turns into the same thing like and you can kind of learn about yourself when you're close with your boys and you're close with your girl so it's on us to find some common ground and understanding if we want healthy lasting relationships and where the copy machine messed up was because i've talked about how i messed up where the copy machine messed up was there was no level that I could fly my plane without some turbulence of neediness, of nagging. So on a day-to-day basis, she was like always shoving her phone in my face to show me stuff that did not appeal to me. And this is a good time for a pet peeve sidebar. Let me t- let me tell you people listening, <clears throat> and you people listening, tell your people, Before you pull your phone out all excited because you saw something that resonates with you, think about if it's for the other person. Like, I think people forget I'm a 31-year-old black comedian with a taste for the finer things. Showing me memes, animal videos with zero violence, anything cute is not for me. Not one time did this bitch say, look at this Pornhub video. (laughs) Oh, and it, it is funny and fucked up, but like, here's the trajectory of me of me not caring about the stuff she wanted to show me on her phone. It started off with ah, <laughs> you know, like that kind of fake laugh sigh, like ha ha ha. 
And then I found I was doing the same thing with Uber drivers that that were uncomfortable with silence. And then I was like, if you're uncomfortable with silence, I'm not going to try to make you feel better about it. I won't fill in your musings with work. Like, hey, you know, things are changing in the area. Oh, yeah, they sure. Yeah, man, it's so expensive out here. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, not going to f- act like a poor bitch because you are, nigga. Fuck that. <laughs> Even if I am a poor bitch, like, I don't want to, like... I don't want to be, like, a, a poor hoe with you. Like, I want to be one by myself or with people I know. I don't want to be like, yeah, we're just all in the slums right here, and I'm just driving this car, taking you around. Is you not, Are you trying to guilt me into a tip? Well, you fucked it up already, sir. I don't want to talk. You're playing Top 40 radio, and the commercials are still at full volume. I will respect nothing from your mind anyway. I'm not doing... So that made me kind of stop giving a fuck. So I started... (laughs) And this somebody listening right now, like, all right, this is how I knew the relationship was over. I started screening what she had to show me or what she wanted to show me. I started screening it. She'd asked to show me something and I'd say, well, what is it first? <laughs> and then I'd be like, all right, just text it to me. And I'd never look at it. And that creates a subtle power dynamic that isn't good. Like she thinks, okay, I mean, yeah, it's just stupid stuff on my phone, but he doesn't seem to care about things I'm interested in. And I think it's just bullshit on her phone. She doesn't care about my space. And I'm very interested in my space. And I'm right. And she's wrong. But I get where she's coming from. And, yo, and let me let me tell you something. In life, if you can say I'm right and you're wrong, but I get where you're coming from, life is going to get, life is going to be kinder to you. And then she's she she go, hey, guess how many? Hey, you ever want to know? Tell me what you got to say, you goofy ragamuffin. Don't ask me to guess or ask if I want to know something. Just fucking tell me. If I'm being constant trivia anecdotes and uh, stories about boring white people she works with, there's people she knew and sending me dumb TikToks. And fucking fake tacky nails. It was too damn much for me to care about. I'm like, you. The thing is, she like, like the thing about the copy machine is like, what's fuck? And I'm glad it's and it, like, I was like, I had a theory she would just kind of like transform to like a thought bitch, like when we moved to New York. And boy, was I right. Is <clears throat> when we moved to New York, she like really just started liking crab legs and like long claw nails. And I'm like, how did a move to the East Coast just turn you into like a thoughty ass hoe? <laughs> My point is, it was too much validation needed, so I checked out early. Then, and then, and then this is where like it, it went bad, and where I won't say I take accountability. I don't take blame, but I take accountability. When it came to serious life planning, I looked at it as the same needy, pestering style of communication. And sometimes it was, and sometimes it wasn't. Like, she would ask me, can I show you rings I like? 
And I just say, child, we ain't doing all that no time soon. Like, what do you, you think this is now? Come on, we ain't, we ain't got time for that. And I brush it off because I began to view her as somebody that hasn't done enough. And I'm not going to be like Sam Rothstein in Casino and decide to complicate my life via a woman. I'll complicate my life via my professional life. I'll complicate my life via my art. I'm not complicating my life through no fucking bitch. The copy machine's problem was she played word association, but with actions because she was about that action. With things, she would play word association, but with, you know, follow through with things that did not necessarily complement each other at the same time. First, she want to live together. Then she want to live in another state. Then she want to get married. Then she want to try an open relationship. Then she wants to explore sexuality. Then she wants to get Botox. Then she want to start her own company. Then she want to be a teacher and just be broken and live with five roommates. Then she want to go to the Peace Corps. Then she want to have kids. Then she want to support me doing my thing. Then she want to do her own thing because being around comedians because being the comedian's girl is keeping her from finding herself. So she's like, you know what? Let me just do my own thing. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And on paper to a lot of guys, a lot of what I said at the top sounds pretty awesome. Like it does sound good on paper. Wait, she down for that? She down for that? Bro, she a keeper. Look. It don't all work out at the same time, especially if you don't know what you want or who you are. Because like, I mean, that's why like the relationship lasted for four fucking years. Cause I'm like, man, this this feels like a good deal right here. This feels like a very good deal. But the thing I saw is when I saw how we try a new thing and she would literally cry when it's not what she expected, I stopped giving a fuck. And the truth was, in my heart of hearts, I knew this girl needed to find out who she was, and that's not and that's not gonna happen through just one person. So I stopped giving a fuck. You know the expression it takes a village to raise a child? Well, it takes a batch of niggas and bitches to run through a woman that's for the streets. So so she can go out here and get some gumption. She gotta she gotta get through the lot she gotta get the loud juice out of her DNA and go fuck a Jewish DJ that rides a bicycle <laughs> in Bushwick. <laughs> Your last boyfriend like Nipsey Hustle, Jay-Z, and Pusha T. <laughs> I'm more into real hip hop. <laughs> Corny ass nigga. Fucking part-time graphic designer, fucking coder ass nigga. Like that's the other thing. I saw she just didn't have a problem with cornball people in her life. Now, I do have some weirdo friends, but they'll at least say some interesting shit. Like, I don't, like, don't put me around boring, corny people. Don't put me, <coughs> don't be boring. And I, maybe that's a comedian thing, because, like, Chappelle's, like, like Dave Chappelle is friends with John Mayer, and I know some, uh, some non-famous comedians Dave Chappelle's cool with, and uh, them niggas are pieces of work. I think when you're a comedian that has something to say, everybody can just kind of get boring. Like, you go on the road, you're a nomad, and after a certain point, bartenders, audience members, baristas, urban professional women, you're trying to fuck off an app. Everybody's kind of the same. So I think there's this need for comedians for us <coughs> where it's like, oh, God, this... This this again? Oh wait, now I I gotta like them. This that's important to you. 
I remember Chris Rock on Never Scared. He had this bit about how he wants to bring a crackhead to like a married couple's dinner. He's like, I'd like to bring a crackhead just to spice things up. Go ahead, tell us some of your cracker tales. And I mean that that was also the time with Chris Rock. I think I think no <coughs> celebrity artist has ever been more obvious that they just fucking hated marriage more than Chris Rock. I mean, maybe the nigga didn't like. I mean, I'm not gonna go as far as to say like he hated his wife or he disliked her. But I think just something about marriage was just so fucking boring and mundane to him. I think he, I think, like, I, I'm just, just me as, like, a, a fan, a student, just looking. I'm like, yeah, I feel like he loves his daughters. He loves his family. And I think he probably even loves his wife, despite the way he would talk about Janet Jackson. Janet got Jermaine. I had a, we all had a chance. That's why, like, finding out Bitley's was on sale for four dollars. I remember he said that at the the O three VMAs. That was that was like a big moment for me. Like O three and O four. Like Chris Rock hosted the VMAs, and the next year he hosted the Oscars. And then that 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 was probably a moment that made me want to be a comedian. I was just like, wow, like this guy's making jokes about like Fifty Cent and Jermaine Dupri and Eminem and all this stuff. And then the next year he's making jokes about Jude Law, and like I'm still enjoying it. Like this is fucking great. Anyway, anyways, like it's, I, I couldn't give a fuck. I, you know, and I, let me also say, like, like to to the Chris Rock thing about bringing a, the the bit about bringing a crackhead to to merry dinner dates. I think that's why all my non comedian friends are such characters and social misfits, except for the ones that are just kind of like you know, just like you know, like regular black you know, reform street niggas hood adjacent. Is it's like the way I process the world can be a little off-putting just in casual conversation. So if you're not from my world, you're gonna have to be like, man, this is my. You gonna have to be like a little weird, just a, just a little bit of different in order to be into the shit that I'm saying. And I also have to know that anything I say is not going to alarm you, or you're not gonna be like. Well, so Lyle said something. I'm I, I'm not here to complain. I know he's a comedian, but let me just say, <clears throat> I can't be around that. The the other way I stop giving a fuck is it's like, and this is in regards to you got to know who you are. Is I remember she would say things to me like, "You make me feel like such a you make me feel like such a nag." No, you make you feel like such a nag. I feel like I'm a real nigga. You think you make me feel like a real nigga? No, I make me feel like a real nigga. So clearly you a fucking nag. And look, it's okay. You a nag. It is what it is. Like, we ain't got to lie. You know, it, it, you are what you are. And I think there's this thing where... <coughs> it's not I think. What it is is... If you're uncomfortable with who the fuck you are... I can't be around you, and I'm going to mentally check out. So, you know, it's... Look, man, you get in a relationship with somebody, just make sure they know who the fuck they are. Otherwise, you're just going to have some stupid problems down the line. And everything is going to be on their turn. And this doesn't... And this is the, this is the thing. You could think, 
what the whatever the power dynamic is in the relationship. You can be like, oh, my dick's so good, my pussy's so good, I make this much money, oh, this ain't happening. Somebody that does not know who the fuck they are, you will have to deal with their bullshit and so, like them and whether it's exiting the relationship, whatever. They will just keep morphing into new people and copying everything around them. And, you know, you just. And instead of it, and, and it, let this be the lesson. Instead of not giving the fuck, get the fuck out. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you very much for tuning in. I please ask that you subscribe to my Lyle Barons YouTube channel. That would mean a lot to me. Definitely help to get the subscribers up. We're trying to post more content. You can see full episodes of the podcast with me, Matt Ducker, DJ Illinois, and of course, Cousin Will. Hope you guys tune into that, and I'll see you soon. Love you. Thank you for coming out. Happy New Year. And you know what? We're going to make 2022 our bitch, and if we don't, It's okay.